Sportsbooks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to come to you this week talking about Bones Highland to kick off this one. Bones has been in the news with Denver over the course of these last couple, couple days. He has been connecting with the fans, riding some horses. He's been going to uh, these open runs, these... Uh, these kind of organized games, uh, some leagues that have been going on during the summer, obviously. Uh, those have been awesome uh, to watch with him especially. But for Denver and for Nuggets fans, I think everybody's just really excited about Bones Highland. He is probably the second highest Q score on the team right now behind Nikola Jokic. And it's just been fantastic to watch him to grow from where he was and and when he was drafted to just become an immediate fan favorite, somebody that I definitely trust in Denver's backup point guard position. And I think a lot of other people trust too and have high hopes for him. So I wanted to kick off this podcast first segment. We're going to talk about Bones' rookie season, why it was a special year. Second segment, we'll talk about what's expected from him in year two. And third segment, I kind of wanted to do something different Want to rank Denver's point guard core, Jamal Murray and Bones Highland, those two guys that are going to play the most amount of time. I want to rank them against other teams, kind of heading into the 2022-23 season. And so we'll see kind of where those guys fall and kind of get a better picture, I think, of what Nuggets fans can expect from that group. But for now, let's start by looking back. 26th overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. I was skeptical initially of Bones Highland, not of the offense. I always thought that he'd be a good enough offensive player to play at the NBA level. I I knew that Denver would be getting a guy that could play. The difference was I didn't think that Denver was prioritizing the right things. I thought that they needed the point of attack defense. I thought they needed maybe even a wing defender, somebody that could stick on the court in Michael Malone's rotation. I think that's borne out with Denver's additions of Bruce Brown, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, but Denver found those guys in free agency and trades, didn't necessarily need to find it in the draft. And instead, what I, th- what I thought they were getting was a six foot two, 175-pound shooting guard. Maybe he could play some points, but not really big enough to be a two and not necessarily uh, the best passer at the one. And that's that was my impression of him before we got to see him. I wasn't really concerned about the shooting or scoring, but the passing was going to be the big swing factor. He had played point guard in his freshman season, but was that real? Summer League won me over with him, and that was reinforced in the preseason, where you saw him in these different situations operating as the lead ball handler, the point guard, and he was really, really good. I was shocked. Not shocked, but just he was far more advanced in that in that scenario than that situation that I thought he would be. And so I knew that Denver had a good chance to get him some reps this season. They drafted him with the intention of playing him in place of Jamal Murray at various points. And though he began the season on the pine, he slowly but surely became the ninth man, tenth man at the shooting guard position. Now, the big deal there was that he wasn't the point guard. He, he kind of struggled to find his niche in what was really just a horrendous bench offense. You have the Faku Composo pick and roll with Jamichael Green. 
not really a lot of other actions beyond that. Denver couldn't really run much of anything else. When you staggered other starters other than Jokic, the offense just wasn't good. And Denver really couldn't find their groove until midseason, game 49 exactly, when Bones Highland switched to point guard. He became the point guard in place of Faku. And Denver never really looked back, and Bones never really looked back. He caught fire at the point guard position with more responsibility. Most players regress in those situations. Sample size gets larger. The scouting report gets a little bit difficult. Other teams are going to have opportunities to exploit your weaknesses on both ends of the floor. But Bones Highland got better with time. His shooting, his passing improved. His feel for the game improved. That was with more touches, not less. So Denver, they got a nice boost with Bones Highland during the middle of the season, and that carried all the way through the end. Like Jamal Murray, I think Bones Highland just seems more comfortable at point guard in the modern NBA for a number of reasons. Thought of initially as a shooting guard, thought of initially as just a scorer, the guys with the ball in the hand, it just makes more sense sometimes for those guys to be the point guard. Less off-ball movement, more consistent touches where they have the opportunity to kind of run the show. And it made a lot of sense for both of those guys, but actually Bones specifically, because he just had a nice command of the pick and roll in the DHO game. His final season stats this past year, 10.1 points, 2.8 assists, 2.7 rebounds, 40.3% from the field, 36.6% from three, over 55% true shooting. Those are pretty good numbers. They're actually pretty comparable to Jamal Murray, where he was at when he was a rookie. And obviously, Murray was coming off the bench for most of that time, but he also had some games towards the end of the season where he started. And he was given just a little bit more opportunity to grow, I think, than Bones was. Bones had to really earn those opportunities on a team that was really trying to win games, that was used to winning games. And so that kind of was a slow process, but Bones ultimately won over Michael Malone. He had 131 threes on the season, which is 28th all-time in rookie seasons, ahead of guys like D'Angelo Russell, Tyler Hero, Jamal Murray, Klay Thompson, among others. Klay Thompson's a pretty interesting one. Klay didn't play as much, but he was extremely efficient. But Bones was able to get his shot off a ton. He's a special shooter, and the types of ambitious shots that he takes, those are going to translate as he continues to gain more confidence in the NBA. There's, that's just how guys do it. It's very rare that you see guys pulling up from 30 feet, like Bones Highland consistently, and they regress as they get older. That's just not really how most players are wired once they get these opportunities. Often they just take it and run with it. Some great moments from the season to look back on. The one that I will always think about is him catching fire in Philly. During the Jokic and Bede brawl, you had Bones Highland as the difference maker. Somebody who had 21 points, and including four of those threes, in the fourth quarter. And just carried Denver on his back in some of those situations. Earlier in the season, when Denver went on the road into Miami, he had five three-pointers was really the floor spacer against a zone defense, and they just couldn't believe that he kept shooting from 30 feet, and he kept making them. It was great. 
He had 27 points against the Lakers in a blowout, I think during the middle of the season, maybe a little bit earlier than the middle, but 27 points, really felt comfortable, was on national TV in primetime, and it really became a thing that when the Nuggets were on primetime, Bones really showed out in those big, big moments. And then in the playoffs, he had back-to-back-to-back threes in game four versus the Warriors, really showed that he wasn't afraid of the moment, and he was the difference in a game four where Denver had their backs against the wall. In the playoffs overall, Bones had double digits, double-digit scoring in three of the games, three out of five. Struggled mightily in game five, but that's just not really surprising. You're not expecting a rookie to be that dude immediately in the NBA, and so you're going to get some ups and downs, but he still showed up. And he impacted the games far more than anybody really expected. If you gave truth serum to Michael Malone back in October of 2021, do you think that he was going to say that he'd have Jamal Murray, or not Jamal, uh, Bones Highland in his playoff rotation? No, absolutely not. Was he going to play more minutes than just about anybody off the bench? I can't imagine that he would have thought that. I think Austin Rivers was the main guy off the bench, and that's not really a surprise, but Bones was big. Bones was very, very big. And it's not a surprise at this point, just kind of knowing who he is, knowing how he's wired. This was a special rookie season for Bones, but also a special rookie season for Nuggets fans, where they got to have somebody that they could rally around in what was a really difficult season. Jokic is omnipresent. He's always going to be there. There's no doubt about that, and Nuggets fans have... I think, come to get used to him. Sometimes take it for granted just a little bit. But with Bones, he was new. He was fun. He brought some flair. It was such a big deal for the fan base. Year one was fun. I think year two is going to be even more fun. Denver's going to win some games. They're going to win more games. Bones is going to be even more confident in himself. Going to take even more ambitious shots. He's going to have more freedom, knowing that his place in the rotation isn't about to get pulled. He's going to have the flexibility and the and the runway to do some fun things. And I am really excited for that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what to expect in year two. But first, guys, I don't know if you know, but football season is here. There's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Alright, we're back. Big Axe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's discuss year two bones, what to expect from the second year player who's been a fan favorite ever since he got into the building, 
how's his role going to change now that the Nuggets point guard position is a little bit different? Jamal Murray is back. He should be mostly ready to go. He's not going to be all the way ready to go, but trading Monte Morris, that's going to be very different. It shows some level of confidence in the Murray-Bones duo. Cleared the way for Bones at point guard pretty much permanently. Ish Smith is going to probably serve as the third point guard. I would be shocked if Bones was moved to the two on a consistent basis. Maybe it happens at some points, and that'll probably be a lineup that everybody complains about. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, and I'm very curious to see how Bones' role evolves. I think he's going to play every game. I think it's mostly going to be a point guard. There will be some shooting guard next to Ish Smith. He might be considered the, the shooting guard next to Jamal Murray, but I will be classifying Bones as the point guard. Just because he's a smaller player, he's going to guard the smaller guy most of the time. He probably won't start when KCP or Michael Porter Jr. rest, but he probably will start when Jamal Murray rests. And that's going to be, I think, relatively frequent. Based off of what we know on Jamal Murray's timetable, what it's going to look like when he comes back, probably not going to play back-to-backs this season, probably not going to play. Like There will be some scheduled rest times at various points. There'll be some normal kind of nicked up injuries at various points too. So I would guess that Bones probably starts about 20 games. If he's there, like if he's healthy for the entire season, I guess he plays about or he starts about 20 games, plays off the bench around 55 of them. And that's just what to expect from the point guard position this year. Murray's going to start in all the other games. If he, as long as everything goes to plan. But I think that given that Bones played about 1,300 minutes last year, I think I'd project more, much more for him. I'd probably project about 1,800 this year. I have him projected at 1,881 on my minute projections that I, I haven't really, I don't think I've made those public. No, I did. I did make those public. 1,881. Now, whether that happens, whether Ish Smith plays a little bit more, whether Jamal Murray plays a little bit more than I have expected right now, that all remains to be seen. But what we can project, and what I think is even more valuable for this discussion, is what Bones' level of impact is going to be. He was pretty strong in his role last season. He was coming off the bench towards the end of the year, Averaged a a higher number of points, a higher number of assists as the Nuggets kind of gave way to uh, they kind of gave way to giving him the keys is what I really mean here. They gave him the keys a little bit more in the offense and he ran with it and did pretty well. But I wanted to do an experiment here or at least an exercise Six other players in the in recent years, I think, have shown a similar profile to what Bones has provided in year one. I took from the all-rookie teams and some other guys uh, like Tyrese Maxey. What do those guys do going from year one to year two? These are guys that kind of play a lot, but not a ton in year one. And then in year two, are expected to have a role, expected to have a significant role on their teams. The guys that I picked, Tyler Hero 
Emmanuel Quickly, Kendrick Nunn, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey, and Kobe White. That was what I found looking through the rookie lists for, okay, these players take a lot of threes. Uh, Some of them play on the ball. Some of them play off the ball. We're going to get a nice mix there. But I wanted to do the median growth from year one to year two for those players. So on average, those guys average a certain number of points, rebounds, assists together. I think the median number for rookie seasons for those six guys is 24 minutes a night, 12.3 points, 2.9 rebounds, 2.1 assists. Bones, he was at 19 minutes, 10.1 points, 2.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists. So slightly fewer minutes, uh, slightly fewer opportunities for points, but he had more assists than those guys and was about the same for rebounds. And uh, his true shooting, his efficiency numbers, pretty close as well. So I think it's a fair comparison between all six of those guys, seven if you include Bones, to try to see, okay, so what did those guys do in their sophomore seasons? What did their sophomore year growth look like? So for Tyler Hero, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey, those guys had major growth. Uh, Kobe White also just became a better player in general. Emmanuel Quickly was about the same, uh, maybe just a little bit more minutes in his opportunities, and Kendrick Nunn, about the same. But for the most part, those guys are getting better. And so their median values were different than their values in the in the first season. So these were the differences. An extra six minutes per game, an extra 2.8 points, um, an extra 0.75 rebounds, 1.35 assists, 1.6 field goal percentage, They're about the same on three-point percentage, if not slightly less, and then 2.5% growth in true shooting. So if we just simply apply those numbers to Bones' per-game averages, which I think is fair, it's not like a crazy amount of growth. It would mean 25 minutes per game for Bones, 12.9 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 41.9% field goal. 36.5 three-point, and 58.3% true shooting. Now in a vacuum, 13 points, three rebounds, four assists, 25 minutes a game, that sounds pretty good to me. It honestly does. That would be great for Denver. Is it too good to be true? Not at all. This is kind of the natural growth from year one to year two as guys get more uh, comfortable in their situations. Bones, when he was towards the end of last season, he was putting numbers that were even better than that. So to say that he would be at this stage, I think would be very reasonable. It's not like this massive amount of growth. Now, he could have less growth than that, or he could have more growth than that, depending on what his role is going to look like, depending on how he fits, uh, whether he makes the actual improvements. What the numbers mean to me, what that would mean, those actual numbers, if you were to put them up, it's just more command of the position of the offense in general, and also his place in it. He, he finds himself. He understands what his role is going to be. If he's able to put up those numbers, then it, it seems to me that he understands and can impact the game in a significant way. 25 minutes per game is significant. I actually projected that before looking at these numbers, too. So it's not really a surprise if he were to put up 25 minutes a night. 
that would mean he's in sixth, seventh man territory, which is not surprising. It's about what I've projected for him. And if those numbers were to occur, I think they would put to rest some of concerns for Denver losing Monte. There's a lot of people that are a little bit worried. Monte was very stable. He gave Denver a lot of uh, great ability to just maintain. He wasn't necessarily dynamic, but he was a guy that could help Denver get from point A to point B in a realistic way. Bones, I think, could do the same thing. He's going to do it with more flair. He's going to do it with more uh, explosiveness, I would say. But he's also pretty stable when you when you see what his numbers were over the past over the last 30 games of the season or so. He was great. He probably doesn't have much more potential than 25 minutes per game next year just because he's not going to start. Uh Tyler Hero didn't start for the Miami Heat, but he was able to come up with some numbers that were a little bit uh higher than expected. He had 30 30.3 minutes per game off the bench. That's pretty good. If Bones were able to get to that point, that would be pretty crazy. I don't think that they can get to that point with him, but Emmanuel quickly was at 23. Kendrick Nunn at 29, though he was starting. Uh, All those other guys were at the 29 to 31 range, and then Tyrese Maxey was at 35 minutes per game this last year. That's a lot. Bones isn't going to average that many minutes, but he is going to have significant opportunities, and he will be starting in the games where Jamal Murray doesn't play. That much I do feel pretty confident about. So we're going to see what he does. I am i don't know if those numbers are going to be high, if they're going to be low, but 13 points, three rebounds, four assists, about 36% from three, 58% true shooting, that'd be great. It would show some nice progression for him. And if that were the case, the Nuggets would then have seven players that they can rely upon, that they can rely upon and deploy at will in the playoffs. Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, KCP, Bruce Brown, and now Bones Highland. That's a big deal. If Denver's able to get to seven, I really need his eight. You add in one of Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, and maybe that's enough for a legit playoff rotation. Maybe it's not. Maybe Denver needs to do a little bit more. But that's a great start, in my opinion. And as long as those guys get healthy, as long as everybody's kind of firing on full cylinders at that point, you really just need seven high-minute guys. And the eighth guy is just going to spell Jokic, Porter, Gordon in the front court at various points. That's about it. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about where Denver's point guard core kind of ranks in the NBA heading into the 22-23 season. We'll be right back. final segment. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Before I get into the point guard rankings, I wanted to just talk about why Bones is coming to Denver. I think that's so much for the fan base. 
Denver's fan base was in a pretty bad spot. I can say this because after Jamal Murray Torres ACL, I was in a pretty bad spot. Didn't feel like a lot of things mattered because Denver didn't have really a ceiling that they could reach. They were kind of stuck in the mud because of that. And especially when Michael Porter Jr. also went down, it was just a lot on Nikola Jokic. It was a lot but it was also not a lot for the Nuggets fans to be excited about. Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. It's not really the most awe-inspiring supporting cast when you're trying to win a title. That's no fault of those guys. They weren't meant to be that. But what Bones Highland did is he helped fill the void. It was a void left by Jamal Murray, void left by Michael Porter Jr., he did it as well as he could really possibly be asked to do as a rookie. He was the second most exciting part of Nuggets games last year, behind Jokic's greatness. When you saw Bones, you knew that he was going to freestyle a little bit. You knew that he was going to hot dog a little bit. And you could see him pull up for threes, get to the rack, had a lot of good moves. And he just played with the swagger and continues to do so that Jamal Murray would play with, that Michael Porter Jr. would play with. Those guys knew how good they were, and they showed people every single time. Young guys that absolutely knew that they had a place in the league, and and whenever they had an opportunity to touch the basketball, they were being dynamic with it. And Jamal Murray specifically, he'd let the crowd know about it too. Bones is the same way. Perhaps even more so. He connects with the crowd maybe even more than Jamal ever did. But again, second most exciting part of Nuggets games. And the vibes with fans are great. Also, you post pictures of yourself horseback riding. You organize meetings at the, do- at the dog park with other fans. Saw some of the pictures that came out of that. It's just a breath of fresh air. Denver lost two stars. And Bones immediately filled the void. It's about as well as any young player has po- has really done it. He has been instrumental to Nuggets fans kind of just saving themselves here. It's awesome. Now, you add Murray and MPJ back into the mix, and there's just a lot of fun to be had. Going to be 48 minutes of fun. That's the hope, at least. You, you know that Denver's going to have some times where it's not going to be as fun. But I feel very strongly that when you have Bones, Murray, MPJ, and Jokic out there, not all at the same time, but you stagger them, have 48 minutes of those guys on the court, it's going to be fantastic. Now, Murray and Bones specifically, I think is interesting. I want to know where you think that they rank on the point guard depth chart. I've gone through most of the point guard depth charts, at least the ones that are worth talking about. And what I mean by this is the 48 minutes that are played at the point guard position. Because some teams, they start both of their point guards. Some teams, they don't. But like, the first team on this list is the Warriors with Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. I think that's a fair place for them. Poole sometimes starts, sometimes doesn't. But you know that 48 minutes of point guard is going to feature one of those two guys. And it's just insane how many points they can put up and the kind of fear 
that they can put into you. So they get the top spot, but it's like that. It's not necessarily just a starter and a backup, although that's what it defaults to mostly. But you can have guys that are two starters. So the second one on this list is the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. Just to add DeJounte Murray, the goal for the Hawks was to not just solidify the minutes with Trey by adding another better defender, but the minutes without Trey Young on the court were generally pretty bad. And DeJounte Murray is a guy that you can surround him with other starters or just bench guys, and you feel that he can at least stem the tide a little bit, or maybe play Trey with the bench, and he does even better. That's just kind of what I'm looking at with this is whose minutes at point guard are the best. Number three, I have Dame and Anthony Simons with the Blazers. Number four, I have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey with the Sixers. feel like that's a pretty straightforward one. DeAnthony Melton might be the point guard or consider the point guard at various points, but I think Dame and not Dame, uh, Harden and Maxey are going to stagger. And when you do that, you're going to have a strong player at each of those positions. Number five, the Grizzlies with John Morant and Tyus Jones. That's a really strong one. Tyus Jones may be the best backup point guard in the NBA. He and Monte Morris have been fighting for that for years. Jordan Poole's kind of in a different conversation because he's kind of a starter too. But when you're just talking strictly backups, Tyus Jones is fantastic. Number six, the Mavericks with Luka and Spencer Dinwiddie. Both of those guys will probably start, but Dinwiddie will be staggering. So will Luca. So those guys, that's kind of the way that they would do it. The Mavericks would be higher on this list if they had Brunson because they have Luca, Brunson, and Dinwiddie on that team, and you're, you're feeling pretty good, but Dinwiddie still has some questions. Number seven, the Charlotte Hornets with LaMelo and Terry Rozier. I feel like Terry is still a better player than Bones. I think that's fair. It's definitely not a, a crazy one to think. LaMelo Ball just made his first All-Star game. He and Murray, I think, are in the same tier or close to it. Maybe LaMelo is just a little bit worse, but I think it's fair to have them above. Number eight, Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio, if healthy, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. This one's a big one because Rubio is probably not going to be healthy immediately. And if that's the case, then they have Raul Neto. Obviously, they drop below Denver if that's the case, but Rubio was having serious six-man-of-the-year push before he got hurt and probably would have won the award, to be honest. They were playing really, really well when he was healthy. Number nine, the Suns with CP3 and Campaign. I was looking at Campaign's numbers, and there were a lot of Suns fans that were complaining about him. His numbers aren't that bad. He isn't shooting the ball very well, but the rest of his game is pretty good. And you mix that with CP3, who's one of the top point guards in the NBA, and it's it's fair to have them above Murray and Bones, I think, right now. Number 10, this is a theoretical pairing between Kyrie Irving and Patty Mills with the Nets. Kyrie may not be on that team any longer, but we'll just have to see what happens with that situation. Maybe he's on the team, maybe he's not. If he's out there, though, with Patty Mills, that's a pretty solid group. That is not the reason why the Nets struggle as much as they do. It really is their wing depth. 
and it's their big man depth. They're not very uh, solid at the other positions. But number 11, now we get to Jamal Murray and Bones Highland. I think this is a fair place for them. Jamal Murray is a borderline all-star, somebody who hasn't made it, but is definitely of that quality, kind of at the about the 30th best player in the NBA, probably about the 10th best point guard, somewhere around there. He has potential, obviously, to be better. I think there was a point after the bubble where I think he had a chance to be a top five point guard, somebody as high as that. You add in Bones to that mix, Bones, in my estimation, is probably an average backup point guard right now, but he has potential to be even better than that. He might be a top 10, top five point guard off the bench by the time it's all said and done for this season. So giving it a little bit of flexibility at the beginning, but they have the 11 spot. At the 12 spot, I have the Thunder with SGA and Josh Giddy. I don't think Giddy is as good of a player as Bones was. That's maybe a hot take based off of who gets the, the pub, but I think that Bones was a better, more helpful player in his first season. And I think that Murray and SGA are in pretty much the same tier. So that's kind of the reason why I got out to that. Number 13 with the Celtics, Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon. 14 with the Heat, Kyle Lowry and one of Max Struess, Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo, one of those guys. And then number 15, you've got the Knicks with Jalen Brunson and Derrick Rose. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know, but Derrick Rose is still pretty solid backup point guard. So that's the top 15. I didn't want to go all the way through. Didn't feel it was necessary. If I left off a team, then I'm sorry. But I do think that it's fair at this stage to have Murray and Bones kind of on the outside looking in of the top 10. They have potential to get up way higher than that, though. And there's a lot of guys above them, like Garland and Rubio. If Rubio isn't healthy, then they drop. If CP3 and Campaign, if they struggle, like let's say CP3 drops off a little bit and Campaign doesn't recover from his better season, then the Nuggets might be above them. Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, they might not even be on the same team by the time the season starts. So it is very close for Murray and Bones to get up into that top 10. Now, breaking into the top five, that would be pretty impressive. It would take, I think, both of those guys having a career year, but it's possible. There's no doubt about it. We've seen a lot of guys break out in their second season. We've seen a lot of guys like Jamal Murray. Like He's 25. Like Jamal Murray's life is not over. He's definitely going to be great for the next five seasons. Whether he makes an all-star team or not, I'm not sure, but I feel very confident that he's of that quality. And as long as the Nuggets are in position to contend, he should be getting some of that credit. But those guys, you can play them together. You can play them apart. Both have the capability to really carry an offense at various points. Maybe not to the level that an all-star needs on a consistent basis, but I feel pretty strongly that both of those guys are talented enough to be the point guard depth chart that the Nuggets take to win a finals. There's no doubt about it. Does Bones need to get a little bit better defensively? Yes. Does Murray still need to prove that he can be out there? Yes. Do they have the potential to do it? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. 
Those guys have shown what they can do. Now it's just about being more consistent, and the rest will take care of itself. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm going to be back on Wednesday. We'll be talking, I think, about the Pacific Division. I talked with maybe I'll maybe I'll save the Pacific Division because I did talk with Harrison, uh, Harrison Fagan on the Lakers on this last episode. So maybe I'll table that and talk about a different one. But either way, should be a lot of fun. Going to get some conversation about the Eurobasket as well. Giannis and Jokic is right around the corner. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.